Welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. Go ahead and make your way back with your coffee refills. I know I've had my share today <laughs> of coffee. Well, we're so glad that you're here today. I'm excited for the opportunity to get to speak today and just excited to, to worship together. So thank you for, for leading us in worship, Sally and her crew, and uh, thank you for being here. There's something about coming together as a group, collectively worshiping God, that it, it's just very encouraging for me. So I appreciate um, you guys being here, and we're excited to um, look, at, look at Scripture, look at God's Word, and see what we can learn from Him today. Today we're going to continue our series in real life, and we're going to talk about prayer um, and we probably all have a lot of different experiences in prayer. I grew up in a Muslim country, so sometimes when I think of prayer, I hear the 5 o'clock call to prayer right outside my door. I remember waking up to that um, every day. But I've had a lot of different experiences with prayer and seen a lot of different kinds of prayer. And, um, and I have to say, some of them are kind of humorous. They're, they're not all like super spiritual and serious, right? Some of, them, some of our experiences with prayer are kind of humorous. And I uh, f- saw this short video of a comedian, um, John Christ, on, on prayer requests. And I just want to share it with you because it made me laugh. I try, man. I try. I see unchristian thoughts just sneak in. I don't know where they come from, me and Tim. We don't know where they come from. You ever been in the church lobby? Somebody asks you to pray for something so stupid, you're just like, I ain't praying for that. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even gonna write that one down. Uh-uh. My buddy asked me the other day. He said, "Pray for my son. He's in the finals of a karate tournament." Excuse me. What do you want me to pray for? <laughs> Jesus, when when Connor steps out onto that mat, would you just direct his foot to kick that child in the face? <laughs> Direct his steps, Lord Jesus. Direct his steps. Would you just be the great physician that you are and render him unconscious? Like, I don't know. Anybody? So I had to mute my, my mic on that because I knew I would be laughing. It's sometimes we pray for the funniest, funniest things. Another example of, of funny prayers is during football season, which we're coming up on. And there's all sorts of prayers on both sides. Um, so so prayer, prayer is a pretty amazing thing. It can also be a pretty interesting thing to look into. Um, today we're going to look at some scriptures and we're gonna, on prayer. We're going to ask, what is prayer and why should we pray? What is prayer and why should we pray? Um, before we look at scriptures, I wanted to talk a little bit about what exactly is prayer? And I found this definition by Max Lucado in one of his books, um, uh, Before Amen. And this is how he defined prayer. He says, prayer is simply a heartfelt conversation between God and his child. Simply a heartfelt conversation between God and his child. And I love the simplicity of that definition. Um, but it's also kind of amazing when you step out and think about it. A conversation between God, the, the Almighty, the creator of the universe, um, him and, and us? Like, is, how does that work? Like, if you stop and think about it, it's a pretty amazing thing. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look into prayer. We're going to start in James. We've been in James. In James 5, James talks about prayer. So let's read that together. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? 
Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. One of the things I really like about this, this passage here is it talks about praying in all different kinds of situations. So if you're, if you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, pray. If you're sick, pray. If you've sinned, pray. So prayer is something that we're to do all throughout life, all throughout our days, all in different situations. One of the things that for me um, is a little more challenging in this passage is verse 15 that says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And it kind of sounds absolute in there. Um, I remember as a, as a teenager, we were living in Africa. My parents were missionaries, and my mom got really sick, and she had to come back to the United States for three months. And uh, during that three months, I just remember it was us and dad, and, and I remember it just being so different without mom, and I remember really missing mom. And we went to a church, um, we visited a church, and this well-meaning Christian man um, asked me, so how's your mom? Is, is she getting better yet? And I was like, no, she's still over there, and she's still not better. And, uh, and he said to me, well, you need to start praying in faith, because clearly you, you don't have enough faith. And then he quoted this verse to me. And he said, see, if you pray in faith, the sick person will be well. And I know he, he, w- he was well-meaning in that, but I went home crying that day and, you know, had, had this big conversation with my dad because I said, oh, is it my fault then that my mom is sick? And I don't read, I understand how he interpreted it, but I don't read this passage that way. It's not a one-to-one correlation. It's not a formula that if you have enough faith, then for sure the person will be made well. Now, it is true that sometimes God does heal us when we pray to him, and that's a beautiful thing. But God is mysterious, and we don't always understand his ways, and we don't understand his plan. So it shows the, uh, the importance and the power of prayer, but it's not a guarantee. And that's important to, it's important to say, because we don't always experience exactly that. And then the last sentence of this paragraph really made me stop and think. Um, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So my first thought, well, who's the righteous person? Because it would be pretty presumptuous of me to say, oh, you know what, I'm a righteous person. Let me come and pray for you because my prayers are powerful and effective. Like that's, and if someone did that to me, I'd be like, what? Like, um, so so who's, who's the righteous person? And I'm reminded that none of us are righteous in and of ourselves. And yet it is Jesus and belief in Jesus and commitment to Jesus that makes us righteous, that makes us right with God. So really, the, right, the prayer of a righteous person is not an ex- exclusive statement. It's a statement of someone who knows God and is being used by God. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So for all that righteous person, once we, we know Jesus and are made right in God's eyes, then it must be that our prayers are powerful and effective. And I stop and ask myself, what about my prayers or my friend's prayers? And sometimes, I'm just going to confess, I have a hard time believing that. Sometimes I, I, I get behind that, and sometimes I'm like, are they really that powerful? 
So what I'm going to do, what I'd like to, us to do today is, is to look at Jesus' example of prayer. That's a great place to start when we have questions on something. And so I want to just kind of quickly walk through his life, um, looking at the different places in Scripture that it specifies that he he prayed. And, um, and I had them all listed out at first, and I rehearsed my sermon. It was like over 45 minutes long, so I took a bunch out. So it's not an exclusive list. You're welcome. Um, we're just going to look at a few of them today. Let's start in Luke 5, 15, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I just, I like that. It's very simple, but he made prayer a priority. He set aside time to pray. And what a great example that is for us as well. At the beginning of his ministry, at his baptism in Luke 3, he also prays. In verse 21, it says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So Jesus begins his ministry with his baptism, this public commitment to God. It's an expression of faith. And, and he, as he's praying, God answers in a very powerful way. He sends the Holy Spirit down in the form of a dove, and then his voice comes down from heaven. And there's not that many, there's a few examples in Scripture of God audibly speaking. Man, I wish he did that to me. That, that would be really cool. I've never had that experience, but I, I love reading examples of that. And we hear God affirming who Jesus is and how he felt about him. And one of the things I really like about this example is that it shows that prayer is a two-way communication. So often when, when we think of prayer, when I think of prayer, um, I focus more on the words I say, what, what I'm saying to God. When, uh, and we've all probably been to that coffee date where the person we were meeting just talked the whole time and you didn't get a chance to say anything, that doesn't, that's not good relationship, you know? That's not a healthy conversation. And, and here we see that prayer is a two-way conversation, that as we speak to God, God speaks to us. Next, I want to move to um, Mark 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. We learn that Jesus prayed very early in the morning. While it was still dark, he must have set his alarm. You know, and I'm a morning person, so this is like music to my ear. I imagine him sitting on a hill, the sun's coming up, he's breathing in the fresh air, and it's just this peaceful, wonderful prayer time. And before all you night owls start rolling your eyes at me and tuning out, let's go to the next one. It says, in Luke 6, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Jesus also prayed all night. So we learned that Jesus prayed very early in the morning, but he also prayed at night. So um, there's no brownie points for getting up super early or staying um, up super late. But, but the important thing here is that Jesus spent dedicated time, intentional time, 
um, praying. And sometimes even when his schedule didn't allow for him to pray a lot during the day, he made time either in the morning or at nighttime. It was that, was that important to him. As we continue on there um, in that same passage, Luke 6, verse 13. So he's been praying all night. And then it says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So Jesus prays all night long, and then he decides who his disciples and his apostles are going to be. So Jesus prayed before a big decision. I think that's a, that's a good lesson for us on prayer, or when to pray. When, when something big is about to happen, we're trying to figure something out, trying to make a big decision. These are good times to spend um, an intentional prayer. And again, this idea of two-way communication. Jesus does that, and God directs, helps direct him as he makes that um, decision. The next example we'll go to is in Matthew 11, and it's right after Jesus has been rejected in three different towns. He's gone there to preach, and they've rejected him. And this is what he prays. 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. So I praise you, Father, because you've hidden them from the wise and revealed them to little children. Little children the little children in that culture were the humble. You know? and, and Jesus has just been rejected. And he says, the learned, the wise, didn't want to listen to me. But I know you are working, and you're revealing yourself to the little children. And then he continues in verse 28, and he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I love how in this prayer, Jesus focuses on what God is doing, not on his rejection, not on the people who refuse to hear him, but he focuses on the people who are listening, what God is doing, and then it moves in, moves him into what his mission is, what his role is, and his role is to offer the invitation for those who are willing to listen, to come to him and to rest. So it's a great model um, of prayer when we're when we're rejected because we we've all probably experienced that and if you haven't you will um, when we're rejected it's easy to focus on that and not on what God is doing so I loved that one that example next let's go to um, Luke nine and this is a moment um, of revelation in the disciples' journey God reveals Himself through prayer. Let's read this starting in verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, so they were praying together, Jesus asked them, who do the crowds say I am? And they answer, John the Baptist or Elijah or other prophets. And he pauses and he says, but what, what do you think? He says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answers, God's Messiah. So it's in prayer that God reveals Jesus' identity to the disciples. So prayer really helps us to, again, that two-way communication, understand who God is and um, hear messages from God, such as Jesus' identity here. Another example I really like is in Mark 10 says, um, 
when the Jesus was teaching and the little kids are coming to him and his disciples are shooing the kids off because the disciples think the teaching is way more important than these little kids whose parents want Jesus to bless them. And Jesus says, no, let the little kids come to me. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. What I love about this is that Jesus prays when the seemingly unimportant interrupts the important. So the children in that culture were not important, and his teaching was deemed to be more important by the disciples. And, and when the seemingly unimportant interrupts, when the unscheduled interruption comes in his busy schedule, he stops and he prays. Because when we're presented with opportunities to pray for people, to intercede for people, that is a beautiful thing. And that often happens as an interruption. And so I like Jesus' example there. And then finally, we'll just go to Jesus' last days. His last days on earth were pretty intense and difficult, but he prayed quite a bit in them. So on Matthew 26, we look at the Last Supper, and he says, while they were still eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and he gave thanks again, and he says, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus knows what's about to happen this week. He knows the crucifixion is coming. He knows the suffering that's coming. And yet he pauses to give thanks to God. And I feel like that's a very powerful example that regardless of whatever circumstances we're going through, how difficult they are or how crazy and hectic they are, it is always a good time to celebrate God's salvation. It is always a good time to, to prayer, pray uh, prayers of thanksgiving and praise to God. Shortly after that, he goes to Gethsemane in Luke 22, verse 41. This is the garden before he's about to be crucified. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond the disciples. He kneels down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Very intense prayer here. I see an anguish. And again, we see this two-way nature of prayer. He prays, God, please take this cup from me. And God answers, and he says, no, this is, this is the plan. And yet God doesn't just say no. God sends his angel to strengthen him for what is to come. So we see God's continually responding to prayer. And then on the cross, in the midst of the, of the suffering, in Luke 22, 23, 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. This prayer of forgiveness in the midst of being crucified. I mean, what, what presence of, of mind and spirit it took to think about that over the physical agony that he was experiencing. And the prayer, the continual connectedness to God, I believe has a lot to do with that. When we're in God's presence continually, 
we're able to respond in ways um, that God would want us to respond. In that same same passage, Luke twenty three forty six, it says, "Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." That was those were his last words before he died. This prayer of surrender, God, I am surrendering to you. Into my hands I commit my spirit. These are all such beautiful examples of prayer. And it's interesting for me to see how Jesus prayed um, differently in different times of his life. So some of his prayers were really long. Some of them were really short. Um, some of them were in solitary places. Some of them were in front of crowds. Some of them were for himself, and other prayers were for others. Um, you have prayers of thanksgiving. You have prayers requesting um, things for, for people. And uh, and Jesus prayed at all different times on all different occasions. He the disciples also asked him, them asked him to teach them how to pray in Luke um, eleven. And, and I won't read it, but I'll I'll share a little bit with you. It they say, teacher, they come to him and they say, teacher, teach us to pray. And he gives them the simple prayer: Our Father in heaven. Now, to us, it might sound a little bit um, formal because we don't really say hallowed. I'm not sure why we say hallowed instead of hallowed. I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of you know, to us it sounds kind of formal. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, but it was a really simple prayer. And, and Jesus responds by saying, you know, don't make a show out of it. In, Ma- in Matthew 6, don't make a show out of it. Don't use many words and stand on the street corners. But just pray simply. He, he says, rather pray behind closed doors was no one's watching and just pray between you and God. Simple prayers. Max Lucado, um, talking about prayer, he says this. I, I kind of chuckled when I read it. He said, God is low on fancy, low on fancy and high on accessibility. And I like that for prayer. You don't have to get fancy in your prayers. You just need to be real. Now, there's a lot of books written on how to pray, and I've read some of those books, um, a lot of different forms and a lot of different postures, and, and a lot of them are good and helpful. And I've tried different postures and different types of prayers and that have been beneficial to me. Um, but the point is that there's no formula for prayer. There's no one specific way to do it right, and then God will hear you and God will answer you. You know, That's not... God's not a vending machine. <laughs> if you type in the exact numbers just right and put in the right amount of money, he'll give you what you want. Like, it doesn't work um, that way. And yet often, since this prayer and connecting to the Almighty God is, is such an amazing concept and a little bit hard to believe, sometimes we really overcomplicate things and we, we feel unworthy to pray or unqualified to pray. And I just want to dis- just dismiss that today and say that's not, that's not how we should feel. Prayer can be very simple. The whole idea of prayer is that it's heartfelt and it's a conversation between us and God. There's another comedian. His name is uh, Michael Jr. And he was talking about prayer and how sometimes we complicate things. And I thought this was pretty funny too. So let- let's look at this clip. Prayer is faith, man. You gotta, uh, God can, if you believe God can hear you, then talk to him. The way that I think you should talk to God is, uh, first of all, you got you to gotta wash your hands and stuff and make sure you're all cleaned up. And, and then you got to put on a suit. 
and then you put on a real put on a suit and you be all and you be, make sure you're really clean. You gotta cut your hair and make sure there's no hair on your face, cause um, he don't like hair on people's face. And then you have to uh, then you gotta clean your car too, because when you get to the place, it gotta be like a park. You want to be in the show up in a clean car, and then you get there, and then you then you drop on your knees. You can't pick the left knee first or the right knee, cause you can't go left or right. God's not like the right wing. He, you got both knees need to drop at the same exact time. Ideally. At like 12.30 on a Sunday afternoon is the perfect time. You go up to the highest point in your neighborhood. You don't have to leave and find a mountain because that's not realistic. Go to the highest point in your neighborhood, whether it be your neighbor's hill or whoever. You just go there, drop both knees at the same time. And then the first words out your mouth have to be, um, okay, I'm going to stop. Because that's ridiculous. The way that you talk to God is just like I'm talking to you right now. You could literally say, hey, God, what's up? Like, for real. You just talk to him. There's not some big ceremony. There's not this big thing. There's not this big... You just talk. He knows your heart. He wants to have a conversation with you. What father, regardless to what their children have done, if their father comes to them and really needs to talk, what father is not going to listen? What good father won't listen. He's a good father. He's a good father. I like that. Sometimes we make it complicated. We don't have to make it complicated. It's really not important, the the forms or the words that we say. The whole point is that we're connecting with God. That's the important piece of it, that it's honest and that it's heartfelt, that it's real conversation with God. It's opening ourselves up to God. You know, James said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective not because of the righteous person. It's powerful and effective because God meets us in prayer. And God is there, and God is speaking, and God is working. Richard Foster, in his book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, he says this. He, he says, prayer is an ongoing and growing love relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because as we pray, it creates vulnerability, it creates connection, and that's what builds our relationship with God. Communication, I mean, any therapist will tell you, communication is the key to a relationship good, honest, mutual communication, and that's what prayer is. So what is prayer? Prayer is a direct access to God. Prayer is a two-way conversation between us and God. Prayer is listening to God, hearing his voice. Henry Nouwen said, prayer is first of all listening to God. It's openness. God is always speaking. He's always doing something. So it's this stilling of our minds and our, and our bodies to hear what God has to say. So why should we pray? It grows our relationship with God. It's a, one of the ways that God speaks to us, that we can hear God. And it also is a means by which we can influence God's activity. Like our God listens to our prayer. And at times he changes what he's going to do because of our prayer. 
and we don't have a guarantee on that, but God does that like a good father would do with their child. God listens to our prayer. So prayer is powerful and effective, not because of us, but because God meets us in prayer. So our invitation today is very simple. It's this week, as we, as we leave here, it's to find time to pray. Find, and it can look different, different times of day, short or long, but find times to intentionally be praying. If, you know, I don't know what your prayer lo- life looks like. Um, but I know in my life, there are times when my prayer life is before meals and when I need help. And, and from experience, I know if, if that's your prayer life right now, then you're missing out because the invitation is much bigger than that. The invitation is to know God. The invitation is to build a relationship with God. The invitation is to real conversation with God. And I would remind us all that as we pray, we also need to to find time and space to be still and to be silent before God. And at times that that may seem awkward at first. <laughs> but if the if the whole point is this two-way conversation, then make some space to be silent and still before God and to see how you hear him. And it probably won't be an audible voice from heaven, though he could do that if he, if he wanted. But it, it'll probably be more like you know, impressions or thoughts or a feeling of peace going in a certain direction. Um, it might bring up scripture. I love praying as I'm reading scripture because there's even just more richness in that. So find time to pray with God because prayer is powerful and effective because God meets us in prayer. I'm excited for this week to see how God meets us in prayer. Let's go to him. Dear God, we just praise you because you want to hear us. You want to talk to us. Lord, and and you being almighty God and the creator of the universe, this all-powerful being who also loves us and cares deeply about our lives. God, that's just an amazing truth. And we just want to celebrate you and we want to worship you and we want to honor you. We thank you for this opportunity in prayer to know you and to hear from you. Lord, just like your disciples asked Jesus, we ask you, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray at work as we go about our day. Teach us how to pray early in the morning or late at night when we have time to dedicate um, a, a bigger chunk of time to you. Lord, I just pray that you would... Um, speak powerfully to us. And I know, here's the thing, God, I know you're speaking to us. Really, my prayer is that you would help us to hear you and help us to listen and to put you first. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.